0: Thank you for listening to this recent message from The Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about The Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Hey, Rescue Church, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you in all of our different locations and tell you thank you for joining us today. It's great having you. I need you to think about something with me this morning as we get ready to open the Word of God to John chapter 6. Before we get into Scripture, a really important question. Can you think of like your favorite meal that you've ever eaten? Let's give you a second to think about that. Like, What was the best meal you've ever had? You know, I don't know if I have an answer to that question. I can't really narrow it down to just one specific meal because I'm married to an amazing lady who's an amazing cook and uh, there's a lot of food that she's made over the years that's been absolutely delicious and I don't know if I could just narrow it down to my one ultimate favorite meal. But if you can't do that, if that's too hard of a question for you, maybe just think about this for a moment. Like, what is your favorite category of food? You know, if, if we were going out for lunch today, what would you pick? You know, like, what's your favorite kind of food? For me, if you love your pastor and you want to tell him you love him, Mexican food is the way to his heart. Really, any kind of food works. But I could eat Mexican food every day of the week almost. I mean, I love it. Tacos and burritos and guacamole. And some of you guys are getting hungry just sitting here listening to me talk about food. Well, here's the deal. Today as we continue our way through the book of John chapter 6, we're going to hear Jesus describe the ultimate meal. I'm calling it the ultimate meal. He didn't call it that. Those are my words. But Jesus is going to tell his followers like one of the most important things they could ever eat. And at the same time, Jesus, we're getting ready to hear Jesus say one of the most outlandish things, one of the most abrasive things he ever said that caused many people to go, oh my goodness, who is this person? What is he saying? Today, we're going to hear Jesus tell people that they should eat his flesh and drink his blood. And it's like the most important thing we could ever eat. Okay, so a little review before we jump into the scripture today, just to bring you all up to speed, if you've missed the last couple of Sundays, in John chapter 6, we saw in the first part of that chapter where Jesus miraculously fed thousands of people. He took a small amount of food, he blessed it, he multiplied it, everyone had enough food to eat until they were full, right? Right? Then, last week, we saw how the next day that crowd woke up. And what happens when we eat physical food? It doesn't s- satisfy and sustain us long term. We get hungry again. And so the crowd wakes up the next day. They go out in search of Jesus not so much because they wanted a relationship with him and realized that he could nourish them spiritually, they were just looking for the temporal temporary things, like fill my belly again and last week we saw where Jesus exposed that in them you 're searching for me, but you 're searching for me for the wrong reasons and then he challenged them to to really value spiritual nourishment over just physical nourishment, and he made this amazing statement where he said i I am the bread of life. And he, he he called himself the bread of life. He compared himself to bread. Now, I, don't, I think, just to be clear, and this will play further into the message today, I think Jesus is speaking metaphorically. I don't think he's literally calling himself a loaf of bread. Right? But he says he's the bread of life. As we open the word of God to John chapter 6 again, today we're going to see how the crowd responded to this. And if Jesus hasn't been abrasive enough, he's about to say just some crazy stuff today. All right? So buckle your seatbelts and we're going to work our way, continue to work our way through John chapter 6. Okay? Starting in verse 41. John writes this He says, At this, the Jews there begin to what, church? They begin to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Let me pause the story here real quick just to point something out. Here we see this crowd going, how can this be the bread of heaven that's come down, sent from the Father, when we know who his earthly parents are? This is the son of Joseph and Mary, and he claims to be God. So the crowd is wrestling with this statement, with Jesus' claim of deity, that he came from the Father, and so rather than accepting that, they're going to reject the messenger. They're basically going to be like, nope, we, we can't accept you as the Son of God. And I just want to draw a similarity to what we often do today. I believe it's possible I might be speaking with someone today that you're in one of our locations, you're watching online, you're not really sure about any of this Jesus stuff. As a matter of fact, you might be a little bit resistant toward it. And you kind of make the case that you can't really believe. You make it a thing about, I can't really believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But I just want to point something out. I believe more times than not, it's not so much an intellectual issue that people have I believe it's more of a heart issue that what they really struggle with is the message of Jesus, that in order to have forgiveness of sin, in order to have the gift of eternal life, you have to repent of your sin and turn from your sin and bow before the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and let him be the Lord and leader of your life. He calls us to obedience. He calls us to loyalty. He calls us to submission. And I believe so often people have a problem with the message. And so they reject the messenger himself. And I think we kind of see that happening in this passage of scripture. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't believe that he is the bread of life because we know who his parents are. Okay? Look what it says going on. Verse 43 Jesus says to them, stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered. I love that. How many times have we said that to our parents? Or to our parents? To our children. Stop grumbling among yourselves, right? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Again, this is some good stuff. I don't want to roll past too quickly. Let's pause here for just a moment. He says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up the last day. I want to point something out here. I want you to notice that it is God and not man. It's not ourselves who do the heavy lifting in the salvation process. Let me be clear on what I'm saying. When, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, sometimes we call that you know getting saved or being born again or putting our faith in Christ. What we need to understand is that, while well, yes, we do have a part in that process, our part is relatively minimal. God is the one who pursues us through his Holy Spirit in the first place. He's the one who draws us to himself. So at the point that we believe, that that's on us. Whether or not we believe, that's our choice. We get to choose to accept and believe in Jesus Christ. But all of the work ahead of that, we didn't do it. It's not like we woke up one day and said, I think I need to go pursuing Jesus and pursuing a relationship with God. If we even have that thought in our heart, it's because God has been working behind the scenes through the power of his Holy Spirit, drawing us to himself. By the way, let me, let me just take this a step further and point out, this is why it's important To be in prayer for your lost friends and family members and neighbors. And when I say lost, in case you're you're not following me, I don't mean people who don't know how to use Google Maps and are lost in in the road somewhere. I'm talking about people who are living outside of the truth. They do not know who Jesus Christ is. They haven't received him. And, And the Bible would call them lost and dead in their trespasses. They're dead in their sin. And it's so important that we pray for the lost Because it's behind the scenes that the Father is drawing the lost to himself. And so, yes, it's important that we go share our faith with our friends and family who don't yet know Christ. But I would contend just as important, maybe more important than us going and sharing our faith, is to be praying for them and praying that the Father would reach out to them and and draw them to himself. Because Jesus is basically saying here, That that's who does the salvation work. No one comes to Christ on their own. We come to Christ because the Father has been pursuing us behind the scenes. So, by the way, I should just say this too. Think about this. For those of you that might this morning still be a little bit kind of far from God and pushing God out of your life, this is a cool thought and you can't do anything to change it. There's a God in heaven who loves you and right now he's pursuing you. I mean, can I just point out the obvious? You're sitting in a church listening to a sermon where a preacher is opening the Word of God and sharing this stuff with you. I don't think you're here by accident. I don't think you clicked onto this link by some chance coincidence. I think there's a Father in Heaven who loves you, who wants a relationship with you, and whether you can recognize it or not, whether you like it or not, he's, he's pursuing you. And he's trying to draw you into a relationship with himself, and you have a decision to make to receive him or to reject him. All right, let's jump into the the meat and potatoes of this scripture. We're going to read from verse 45 down to verse 56, okay? And this is, we're about to go deep, all right? There's a lot of good stuff here, and we're going to hear Jesus say some stuff that's going to sound a little crazy. And then we'll try to unpack, what does Jesus mean when he says this? All right, here we go. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Jesus is basically saying, I am from God. I've seen the Father. You haven't, but I've come from him, so I've seen him. Okay. Very truly, I tell you, The one who believes has eternal life. We covered this last week. What's the key to eternal life? It's believing in Jesus. I am the bread of life. There Jesus makes that statement again. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. Let me just pause briefly. Exodus 16, you can go back and read about how God fed the children of Israel with manna from heaven, bread from heaven, and Jesus is reaching back to that theme of if all you get is physical earthly food, you're going to die because the bread of life is the only thing that really sustains and gives true life and is satisfying. So he says that your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever, this is where it's going to get crazy, whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What in the world does he mean when he calls himself this bread is my flesh? Then the Jews begin to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Okay, slow down. We got to just unpack this for a minute because it sounds like Jesus just said, I am the bread of life, and unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have my life in you. That's exactly what he said. And. I'm just here to tell you right now, we'll look at it in more detail next week. But if that sounds abrasive to you, just multiply that for Jesus' original audience. They were completely grossed out and disgusted with the, the mere thought of eating someone's flesh and drinking someone's blood. So let's just get the obvious out of the way real quick. Is Jesus literally saying we need to cut off a hunk of his skin and eat it and drink his blood? Is that what he's saying literally? No, he's not. Again, I believe this is metaphorically. I believe just like he calls himself the bread of life, I believe that he's speaking in symbolic terms. But to the Jewish people, blood represented life, right? I mean, and so they weren't supposed to, in the Old Testament dietary laws, they were not supposed to eat an animal unless the blood had been thoroughly drained from it because that blood represents life. And so Jesus is basically saying, unless you have my life in you, you're not going to be full. You're not going to be satisfied. You're going to be missing out on true life if I don't live inside of you. So let me see if I can summarize this for you. If you've got your notes, uh, get them out and get ready to write because I'm just going to put this in a little summary statement. We're going to talk about it briefly, and then we're going to move into the Lord's Supper where as a church family today, In all of our locations, we are going to observe the the communion, we call it, or the Lord's Supper, where we think about the flesh, the body of Christ that was broken for us, and the blood of Jesus that was poured out for our sin. But let me see if I can summarize. uh, What does Jesus mean in this statement? What is he getting at? Okay, Write this down. To eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus is a symbolic way of saying accepting Jesus into our lives and becoming united with him. If we're gonna have the, the life of Jesus in us, we, we accept him into our lives and, and we're united. His blood flows through us. We are his body. We become the body of Christ. This is a very symbolic way of Jesus saying, My life will flow through you and you will be a part of me, you will become a part of my body. Another thing I would add to this, if you want to write this down, we do this primarily in two ways. We do this by believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. So believing is really important. And by following his teaching, trusting in his Holy Spirit for power. You may notice something, church, if you hang out here for any length of time, you'll notice a very common thread that runs through so many of the messages that we preach in the life of this church. They, almost every message, regardless of what the scripture is, comes down to these two questions that I'm getting ready to ask you right now. Number one, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior? Another way of saying that, have you believed In the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you believed that he was sent to this earth from God? He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He gave up his life willingly for you and me. His body was broken. His blood was shed. He died on that cross to pay a penalty for you and me that we could not pay for ourselves. He gave up his life on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he demonstrated his power over sin and death and hell when he rose again and conquered the sting of death and the sting of sin on our behalf. Have you believed that message and have you, by faith, received Jesus into your life? That's the first part. Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? The second question is very simply this. Are you following him? It's not about just praying a prayer at some point in your life and getting some, you know, get out of hell free card. And then you get to go live however you want the rest of your life. That's not salvation, friends. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, he is God. I'm not. He's in charge. He's in control. I'm not. He is my authority. I am not. He gets to tell me how to live my life. He gets to guide and direct and lead and while I will not do it perfectly and I don't have the strength and power to do it on my own, through His Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, I do have the power to obey when it's hard to obey. I have the power to break free from sin that held me fast for so long because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. I have the power to control my words. I have the power to, to, to be Jesus to other people. And all of a sudden, my life begins to change. By step, by step, by step, I'm following Jesus with my life. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And are you following Him? It's that simple. I believe that's what it means to eat the flesh of Jesus and to drink the blood of Jesus, is to accept Him and to follow Him. It's interesting, this theme, Jesus later on before he goes to the cross, he's going to have what we now call the last supper with his disciples because it was the last time that he had supper with his disciples before he was crucified and uh, before he was arrested and, and led off to be crucified. And at that last supper, we see in the gospel accounts where Jesus, again, I believe very symbolically, he reaches back to this teaching. When, when supper's done, he takes bread and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And, and then we see him take a cup of most likely red wine. And he says, this cup is the new covenant. It's the new testament in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then much later, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, he would quote those words of Christ as Paul looks back to that night of the Last Supper, and he's now challenging the church in Corinth, this this brand new Testament church, as they had kind of made a mess of the Lord's Supper. They were kind of doing some stuff that was out of line with the Lord's Supper. Paul reminds them what this whole thing is about. And it's what we're getting ready to move into in the next few minutes. We're going to have a time of worship in all of our campuses. I'll describe what the Lord's table is, and then I'm going to pray and turn it over to our campus pastors in all of our locations, and you'll have a moment to just sit before the Lord and think and reflect on this message about the body of Christ, the flesh of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that was broken and poured out for you and for me. So, what is the Lord's Supper all about in 1 Corinthians 11 when Paul is talking about this? Like, what's the purpose of what we're getting ready to do? You know, for some churches it, it, and some Christians, it just becomes this empty tradition. We just do it maybe every week, maybe once a month, but, but we don't really have the meaning connected to it. And in the Rescue Church, one of the reasons that I choose to limit how often we do the the Lord's Supper is, A, the Bible doesn't tell us how often we need to do the Lord's Supper. I think we have freedom to define that. But for me, I, I want it to have meaning. Every time our church comes to the Lord's Supper together, I want us to connect with that message of, this is about being united with Christ. So, by the way, I believe that the Lord's Supper is for Christians. I believe it's for people who have said yes to Jesus and have accepted him. If if you're not a Christian, I would strongly challenge you, don't participate in the Lord's Supper today unless your desire today is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I believe it's for Christians, and I believe it's a time for Christians to look back to the cross and we remember that amazing, brutal, horrible sacrifice that Jesus poured out for us, where he was beaten beyond recognition of a man, the Bible says, and where his blood flowed from the cross of Calvary. Because as we know in God's word, we hear that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Sin costs the blood of an innocent, spotless lamb, and Jesus came as the spotless lamb of God who lived a perfect life, and his blood was poured out for me and for you. And so at the Lord's Supper, we hold these symbolic elements in our hand, a little wafer and a little cup of grape juice, to remember that Jesus, His physical body and His blood was broken for me and for you. But then we ingest it, we eat it, just like Jesus taught His disciples to do. We still do that today. We eat the body of Christ and we drink the blood of Christ. Again, I believe symbolically. But we are, in doing that, we are symbolically saying, Jesus, you live inside of me. I am united with you. Your life flows through me. And if that's true, that your life flows through me, then you get the right to tell me how to live and I have to follow you. And so when we come to the Lord's Supper, this is a good time for us to just sit quietly before the Lord and not only thank him for his sacrifice, but then to look inward. Paul said, let a man examine himself. And and what that means is take a look inward and With the power of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just say, God, is there an area in my life that that needs some attention? Is there something I need to confess and get right to you or to someone else in my life? This is an important time to do that. So I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And then we're going to have just a time of soft music playing in your campus. And the the elements will be available for you just to come to the front and get the elements for the Lord's Supper and go sit back down at your seat and wait until the campus pastor or the worship leader leads you through communion. But as you're sitting there quietly, my two questions to you. And then the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants with this question. But the first question is, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? And secondly, are you following him? And maybe he'll, through that, just kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, look, there's an area of your life that even though you've submitted to me as your Savior, you're not following me. And I'm inviting you to follow me. I live inside of you. You're united with me through my body and through my blood. So let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. And whether you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, whether you need to get something right with the Lord today, this is a moment of worship. It's a time for us to thank God, and it's a time for you to do some business with the Lord and just ask him, Lord, what, what do I need to do in my life today? What would you show me? What step would you have me to take? Let's pray, and we'll move into this time of worship together. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this passage in John. It's a little difficult. Um, I mean, I, I can only imagine what the original audience thought and what went through their mind when they heard Jesus say, That unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, we don't have any place in him. We don't have his life in us. Father, I pray that today you would just help us to understand what what I believe and, and prayerfully hope this is a correct interpretation of that, that Jesus is symbolically saying we need to accept him and be united with him through believing in faith and through obedience, through following step after step, letting you guide and direct and lead our lives to where you'd have us to be. Lord, I want to say thank you on behalf of a grateful church family. I want to say thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed on our behalf. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it, Lord, but we're grateful. And I pray now that as we move into this time of silent reflection, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would have your way in the hearts of each and every person in this church today. Lord, just turn us every which way but loose with those two questions. Do we know you? And are we following you? Father, if there's anyone here today that's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be their day, that they would finally turn from their sin and receive you and believe in you and call upon your name. And Father, for those of us who do know you, that's one thing, that's awesome, but are we following? Is there an area in our life that you want to speak into my heart or into the heart of these people? God, I pray you just speak in these next few moments. Jesus, we love you, we worship you, and we honor you as we observe the Lord's Supper, as we think about your body and your blood that was shed for us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your precious and powerful name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.